Hey, good morning. Uh, you are joining us for today's conversation. Um, we have decided that we're going to push out content through this interesting time that we're living in. So I've got a friend. Um, some of you may know who he is. His name is uh, Samuel Leonor. <laughs> I don't know. Is that how you say it? I don't know. That's the. That's a very. That's a good attempt at saying it in Spanish. How? How would you? Also, say a little it? offensive. How would you? <laughs> probably a lot offensive. How would you say it? How would you say it? Sam. Lenore. Oh, that's that's how the, most people I could know have, me. I could have said it like that. That's the that's the the whitest I've ever heard. Can we say that? So listen, we're gonna have a conversation about um, stuff. Sam and I, Sam and I have been friends for like twenty five years. Uh, met in seminary. Sam is probably the person I like to talk to the most about things of interest. We have a good time. Um, same, same. So if this conversation is is maybe not like what you're expecting from like a, oh, it's super devotional. We're doing that kind of stuff through Crosswalk Church. But today we just need to try and talk about some serious things in a way that um, doesn't make us all crazy, mm-hmm. I think. And so if we joke a little bit or we get a little, ed- not edgy, can you say it? Ed- if we get a little edgy. <laughs> but if you say that we're going to get a little edgy, will will it actually be edgy or I don't know. Anyway. No filters. No filter because our producer left. He walked out of the room. So It's just you and I. All I know is how to stop it. He said, press the space bar to stop it. (laughs) We'll do that if it falls off the rails. (laughs) I will say this, though. It's very possible that the guy's going to come along with the blower again and blow the outside of my office here. So if that happens, we'll just, I don't know what we'll do. But anyway, Sam, I want to ask you a question. We're obviously living in kind of unprecedented times, right? Never seen anything like this. You are now a healthcare executive. Um, let's give me a little bit of that perspective um, from it, just kind of the conversations that you guys are having, um, good and bad in that direction. Then we'll talk about it from maybe kind of the filters that we have as um, people of faith. Yeah, well, this is a this is a conversation, by the way, not just me answering, giving you erudite answers to important things. But what I think we we can dwell on for a moment first, Tim, is the the fact that it is unprecedented, and I had a moment this last uh, Saturday Sabbath at our house when we were having lunch together yeah, uh, with your mom, who yep. I will not say how old she is because I don't know and it's not my business. It's, it's not, not polite. Business. It's not your business. It's not. Very but old, she's, she's a senior she's citizen. Older. She's older than I am. I asked her, um, Judy, have you ever seen it or seen anything like this? And her answer, I thought she would think about it for a moment and try to think. if the, And she, she didn't have to think about it. She just said, no. Yeah, no, she... Nothing like this has ever happened in my lifetime. Right. Right, no, yeah, no. this is new. Yeah. We're in uncharted territory for Americans, uncharted territory for the world, for the world economy, certainly, yeah. um, for, for epidemiologists. You know, it's a, it's a moment. It is. And I've, if I'm honest, I've got to say that I woke up slowly and maybe a little late to how serious... Oh, I know. This actually we, had, we had the toilet paper conversation <laughs> on Saturday. And you're like, yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. And then I noticed that you picked your daughter up from the airport who just came back from Argentina. Yes. So awesome that she was able to make it back before they closed those borders. That's important to note, too, that yeah. we were, all, we're all, your daughter just got home last yeah. night. Yeah, we're all whole again, which is a big, a big deal. But I also noticed that you picked her up at the airport and then went to the beach. Well, we thought the sun would burn some of the, <laughs> some of the <laughs> virus off of actually her. all joking that was her first request we uh, said what do you want to do immediately you want to go home or she said i, I want to go to the beach awesome. so she are there was, not beaches in argentina <laughs> <laughs> well listen just i don't you my geog- my geography is <laughs> not great you're um i know you're 
um, typical American education probably didn't include some geography Listen, I didn't of have the just, world. I didn't have just a typical American education. I had a Californian education, <laughs> which when it comes to geography, they're like, okay, there's us, there's Northern California. We think they're a different state. We're not sure. Yeah, yeah. We don't know what's above them. We know that there's a big space in the middle. Texas is somewhere there and it's big. So don't go there. That's pretty much all we learned. And then New York is where the money comes from. And we were pretty sure about Florida, but that's mostly because of the news that came out of Florida. So that's kind of how we got taught geography i don't know how it was for you growing up but um so argentina that's south america yeah, there's, correct? there's south america yeah and, and um her the college she was at the university she was at is actually pretty far inland so okay she she was without a beach for a long time and mm. that was her first thing she wanted to see the beach awesome uh, but i think it's important that we yeah this is how serious it's gotten that um we made the decision to bring her home within hours yeah and her program closed and um, this is unprecedented. There's been nothing like this before. I talked to my older parents also who have lived through a lot. And that's not me saying they're old. I'm just saying they've lived <laughs> through a lot. They're experienced. And they cannot think of any time in their life that things have been this serious. So, um, yeah, it's, it's unprecedented. Um, and toilet paper? Did you say? Well, no, I had mentioned that because you didn't seem in a rush. And then I noticed that you came to the church here today and you uh, said you were going to steal a roll. So I thought that was, that was interesting. So apparently the moral code just goes out, out the window when in a crisis. Is that what we're dealing with here? Some things make me feel secure. <laughs> and, and apparently everyone else thought the same thing. It has also to do with the fact that your wife yes. talked my wife into this bamboo toilet paper, true. good for the environment business that not good for... I'm not really enjoying. <laughs> so I don't know if this is... So so what you're saying is that you don't really care about the environment. I, I, care, very, I care very much about the environment. I wish there were other ways to make the environment right than using bamboo toilet right, paper. Get an but, electric car maybe and you can balance your carbon <laughs> footprint. With your toilet paper. Hey, back to the, so so back to your serious question. Yeah, um, the the entire healthcare infrastructure, I think, is preparing for um, what could be the biggest test it's ever faced. Right. Uh, everyone's seen the curves and how we're preparing to prevent it from rising above what we're able to care for. You know, the populations we're able to care for. So that's one thing, um, and I think it's fair to say that. Most, most of us are just preparing for um, the worst. Right. Um, we work with some really, really incredible people who are doing incredible work. And let's not forget that they show up every day right. to a high anxiety, tense situation and they deliver um, the skill that they have and the care that, the, that they deliver it with and um, I have such respect for those people. No. Yeah, there's no and there's no social distancing. There's no sheltering in place. No. Like they're going to be in the front lines taking care, and I, that's something that obviously we all need to pray for and encourage and support in any way that we can. We need to, right? I know we're sitting here, you know, in Redlands, California, right outside of Loma Linda, and so I would say the majority of our congregation is is somehow connected to healthcare, whether they're doing it or families doing it, and. Um, that's gonna. I was looking at our urgent care across the street and noticed that they brought in outside toilets and have put up um, easy ups. So mm, it looks mm. like they're preparing for the onslaught. Um, 
You know, it's interesting. What's really interesting, I was reading some articles this morning about um, different worldviews and particularly political worldviews and how people are thinking of the severity of this. Um, and not to get too political, but it's interesting that Democrats are looking at it um, like seven out of 10 Democrats are taking it pretty seriously. Four out of 10 Republicans are taking it very seriously. I think um, some of the moves our president made last night probably will up that from from a more conservative standpoint. Um, it's strange, though, because, you know, for all intents and purposes, and I'm in no way a doctor and wouldn't pretend to be. I mean, I am a, I'm a doctor, but I'm not. A, you are a doctor. As, as, my, as my 13-year-old son said when he was about eight, he said, so you're a doctor now? I was like, yeah. He's like, but not the healing kind. I was like, no, <laughs> no, no, not the healing kind. So let's be clear. I have a doctor of ministry. Um, so that means I'm very good at praying. I'm a professional at hey. praying. No, um, but but it's it's um, even though the virus for certain population is obviously pretty severe, um, for the majority of the population, it's not that overwhelming. For at least from what they see at this point, again, you know, mm -hmm. let me give that caveat that I'm not speaking medically here, speaking in generalities. But um, but obviously, the economic situation that we're going to be in or that we're moving into, and the um, the uh, just fear and anxiety. Maybe speak to a little bit of the fear and anxiety that people are dealing with right now. Yeah, I think I think we both should, Doctor. Um, first, you know, something that I've been thinking about and, and I've read some about is that is that um, the decisions that our leaders are making sometimes may come across as overreacting. Mm -hmm. uh, this morning, the um, Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, asking 7 million people to stay indoors right. for the foreseeable future may seem to some like an overreaction, but um, eventually history should say that we overreacted instead of, instead of underreacted right. to, to what could have been a real human catastrophe. Right. Um, look, I'm, I'm going to speak... Um, maybe pastorally turn the corner here and, and say that the other thing I've been thinking about is that um, this crisis has in some ways exposed the myth of security right. in us. Yeah. That we think we're secure because of all kinds of things, because we hoarded toilet paper mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, whatever you think that you cling to is that, you know, because um, we don't live in a high populate dense population area or because um, money right and for those of us who thought well you know I have I have the resources to get out or get away or whatever um, well stock market just dropped 30 um, percent that that security is a myth and for people of faith this is a time to really explore what where what is it that we believe makes us secure where does that come from? Hmm. And we and we need to talk about it more. No, that's that's. I think that's fascinating. You're kind of coming to the core of the question, hmm. which is um, which is where does your security lie, and how how do we express that, and how do we actually feel that? I think that's a question too, right? Because it's easy to say, yeah, I believe you know, you know, God is my fortress and strength, of ever present help in time of trouble. Now I'm just quoting a song we used to sing in junior high choir. Um, <laughs> I think that's a song. I, it is a song, but it was a good song too. Um, but but it becomes real in times of crisis. And in fact, um, 
when there's nothing else to lean on, that's the thing that we have to, it becomes real and tangible in a different way. So there's some real opportunities in a crisis to grow in faith and to recommit and reconnect and recalibrate um, those types of things. But, but I, I think coming from our particular faith tradition, there's a, there's an added layer to that, which is we've always kind of been an apocalyptic people. I mean, we started, we started with the idea that it was over, right? Weird place to begin, right? Start at the ending. Um, but, but then we, we've lived the next 170 years kind of feeling that apocalyptic anxiety at times. Yeah. Um, I think any kid that grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist tradition had moments of, is that the cloud? Is that the one? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, and of course, looking for signs, right? Looking at signs of the times, if you will. Um, and this feels like a big sign. Maybe speak to that a little bit. Well, um you keep saying speak to that like I'm the authority. I'm this. waiting. You're, you're I'm waiting. <laughs> no, it's brilliant. Look, I've, I've had so many conversations in the last week about how this is it. Mm-hmm. Look, look, I, I want to I name two things that I think we Adventists have done. Okay. We, we people, apocalyptic people have done over the last week. One is because we're the, the, we have figured it out, the, the health message, we figured it out. I've gotten so many texts and emails and Facebook messages and whatever other means of people saying we have found the cure. Oh, tell us. You got to give me give me some of those. Okay, give well, one, my favorite is <laughs> this. My favorite is, and I'm not I'm not trying to joke too much about this in case some people out there actually are listening to this right. and they think this is real. We've we've got to base our decisions on facts mm-hmm. as much as possible. Right. Um, someone sent me a text saying that, that boiling garlic, seven cups of garlic, seven cups. Yeah, <laughs> boiling that in water and then drinking and eating it all overnight will cure the coronavirus COVID nineteen. Well, it will definitely it will definitely do something for your social distancing. That's <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you won't get it because no one's going to be in the house with you. Some things will happen to you for sure. Dude, garlic is a go to though. It it is, but can we? I don't know if. I don't know if the C- CDC, I don't, I don't know if clinically we can say, I don't know if scientifically we can say. I think, yeah. We've found a cure for I would COVID-19. Agree. So, but hey, do it. Do the garlic thing. I don't think that much garlic hurts you. It hurts yes. everyone around you, but maybe not you as much. Uh, gargling bleach is not probably a good no, thing. No, that's a bad idea. Um, for all my Latino people, Vig's Vapor Rub, uh, <laughs> putting down on your lips or your nose is probably not going to cure it or prevent it. Um, I saw a person at the grocery store the other day holding their sweatshirt over their nose. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that's also a very right. effective way of... Anyway, but so we do this health thing. The, that's the first thing. The second thing we do is the, the is this the sign? Right. You yeah, because we're always looking for it. Yeah. Which is, that's good, right? It, it's good. It's good we're present, present in the idea that Jesus is coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But... Um, but but what's not good is is if we just use this as a you know we're we're just a, aggregating all the signs around the world and we call it this is the one right um, is it we don't know could right. it be maybe we've done it before yeah and we've been greatly disappointed yes we have right <laughs> yes we have um, October twenty two right so how do we how do we stop doing that or how do we how do we be mindful through that do you have any thoughts I don't know you keep so saying do you have any thoughts on that you have thoughts I know let me give you mine and, and it's your turn for okay. thoughts on that um, maybe the the most helpful thing to me has been to think about our eschatology as as a as a longer 
broader view mm-hmm. of what's happening in the world right. so that I don't look at this situation and I think, um, I get desperate thinking this is, this is it. What is really at stake today? That's the question I ask myself all the time. What is really happening today that has eternal consequences? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that our scripture, the Bible, is, is a gift to us so we can see there's something way bigger happening, uh, way more, just like the universe, the cosmos. Like there's, there's a ma- big story happening here in this COVID-19 moment doesn't get to define eternity. Right. And maybe that's what eschatology is about. Um, so that... As the psalmist says, lift your eyes mm-hmm. to the hills. I think that's the way the psalmist is trying to say, um, there's more going on. Right. Lift your eyes to the hills. No, that's and the beautiful. Creator, right? I think so. I, I think you're right. I think that, um, listen, if we, if we know anything, we know that um, the controversy, if you will, mm-hmm. is not simply about us, right? It, when we go to Scripture and all we find is us, then we're doing something very different than theology. We're no longer looking for God. We're looking for us. I've, I've used the term meology. That's what we're trying to find. Yes. And the problem with looking for signs, I think, is that they all have a tendency to point to us. <clears throat> any, any sign, anything that points to Jesus is a positive thing, right? And that's how the Holy Spirit works. Is he's, he's involved and engaged in our lives so that he's pointing us to Jesus more and more profoundly. I think mm. finding those moments in the midst of crisis is what a Christian is called to do. I think they're called to be the ones who focus people back on Jesus and on that bigger, grander, greater narrative in, in, in the world. And, um, mm. and I think that if we can do that, then we, we become, I think I said it in a sermon this week, we become the light in the tunnel, yes. right? We're not, we stop looking for the light because we become the light as we reflect who Jesus is, not to be too sermonic on it. But... Um, but but we don't do that because I think that we I think we are looking for security and the security in our particular eschatological narrative, if you will, is really comforting. However, I think that's a little bit of a falsity. I think the 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 security in any of those narratives is that Jesus wins, hmm. is that Jesus loves, and is that what Jesus did on the cross. I mean, we're coming up on an Easter season, and I, I, you know what a tragedy that we're not all going to be able to meet probably this Easter. But at the same time, think of the hunger that we'll have for community when this is over, man. It's yeah. going to be, people are going to go to church, yeah. go to church, and do church, church right? <laughs> We're going to do church. But, um, but no, I think if we can keep, you know, the, the end of the whole narrative is that Jesus wins. Yeah. And, you know, the, the smaller pieces of the story are fascinating, are amazing, and, and we're living through them, certainly. But, but they don't change the end of that narrative, which is that Jesus wins. Yeah. And that's the security that we have to probably live in. And, yeah. and, and I think at this moment, I'll just speak to my life. I wake up with anxiety. Hmm. I wake up with, oh, I hope my family's going to be okay. I hope I'm going to be okay. I hope I, I make the right decisions. I hope I lead my church and my congregation in the right way. I hope that I'm pointing them to the right things. All, all of that, you know, all of that is running around in my head every single day. And I, I've found myself over the last few days having to kind of recenter myself and take a moment and pray 
and be all, all right, what's, what's the focus here? The focus is that God loves us, that he cares for us, that there's hope in the midst of this. And the truth is, we're going to go through something we've never gone through before, but there are people in the world who go through much, much worse than this every single yeah. day, and they still find ways to love their children. They still find ways to, yeah. to build community. The kids still run around and have a great time, even if they have nothing. We're going to be okay, um, but we just have to keep focus on the thing that will carry us through, that transcendent narrative that will carry us through this. Yeah, yeah. Tim, that is so good. That is so good. Um, I'll, since you won't say it, I'll say it. Your sermon last this last week was uh, really, really, really great. And, oh, thank you. And um, people who have not heard it should go and listen to it. Um, and... Um, I'm, I'm just going through bookmarks in what you just said and affirming, amen, church, amen. We're all going to come back to church. Yeah. This is not, this is not the end, friends. Right. Um, the church will stand. Not even the gates of hell will prevail. That's right. Um, and when we get back together, we're going to sing songs, and they're going to mean something mm. different to us. The, the, the meaning will be deeper, come more on. profound. Being together is yeah. going to really start to matter. It will remind us that watching online was just you know, arousing our need for community, but right. not quite providing it. Right. Um, this last week, you said in your intro online, hey, if you want to stand and sing at your screen and, and <laughs> worship that way, I, I did it. I, I looked really stupid in my house. <laughs> I'm all looking forward to doing it with, you know, uh, 700 people right. in the future. And, and last, I, I just say that there, there's, there's also gift in this. Yeah, there's these, this is just a chapter yeah. that one day we'll look back to when all things are made right, mm -hmm. as the writer of Revelation tells us, um, you know, this would be a, a dark chapter. And there's been very dark chapters. Absolutely. And, the, and by the way, the, the, the people of Jesus have always been the ones who run towards the, the, the danger and whatever's happening in the world. Um, and we should probably come back to that in another podcast, like yeah. what it means to be that light in the tunnel, really. That's good. But the gift in all this is that we've got time for our families yep. and when my daughter arrived it was it, i'm anxious too i'm not waking up at two three o'clock in the morning but i'm anxious too but having everyone in the same roof under the same roof yeah, right now is a gift big. and and we're gonna try to savor that too right, right now we get to sabbath together in a way that we haven't had an opportunity to do that yeah, right yeah, yeah. and and let's take that moment mm. and um let's let's embrace it and let's find the opportunities in the mm. crisis for sure. And let's be overall, and maybe we'll just leave it at this. Overall, let's be let's be humans in the best possible way throughout this crisis because at the end of it all, you know, when they write the chapter of COVID-19, which will be a, you know, a chapter in Earth's history. Uh, what I hope is that they see that people of faith um, were unwilling to be afraid, were willing to move in faith, and were the ones who decided to become the helpers. Maybe we can just leave it at that. Um, this has been today's conversation with Sam Lenore and Tim Gillespie. Um, hope you guys are having, you know, an interesting day. Mm -hmm.